Welcome to the AI-generated podcast. I'm your human host, Izzy. I'm a computer science and audio engineering student. And I'm your human host, Kelsey. I am a fashion designer and fashion professor. And last week, I won a Lego building competition. First first prize, me and my friends. <laughs> I was going to make something funny like I normally do, but that's pretty funny and cool, I think, anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, sorry, I cut you off with the Roomba one, too, last week. <laughs> you did. Normally, I like to say something funny, but a Lego thing is something that I might say, like you're a master builder at Legos. I really wish I was, and a master builder judged the competition. and he Really? Liked, yeah, yeah, and he chose ours, of course. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Nice! <laughs> We're being held against our will by a multinational corporation who won't let us go until we've taught their AI American popular culture. On today's episode, we've given their AI all of Jurassic Park. That's not really true. We've given it the first Jurassic Park book, and we've asked it to write more Jurassic Park content. The AI Generated Podcast has been synchronously composed by a number of intelligent computer programs designed to mimic the tone of a data set of texts. This internet radio show seeks to harness this technology for meaningless tasks. So I had no idea that Jurassic Park was even a novel. And that's I was, wild. Said it, was an, it was wild. <laughs> and then I talked to my mom. My mom didn't know either. And that's so funny. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, Michael Crichton is an incredible science fiction writer. He's really talented. So I had no idea that the book came first and that it was really good and that the movie came after and the movie was like not as good. I had no idea because I, then I started reading it. I'm like, this is the best book I've ever so read. You, and I can't put it down. You started reading it last night. That's so cool. I was reading it all day instead of preparing for our show. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. No, I'm really <laughs> glad you like it. I read it in college, and it's probably it's probably one of my favorite sci-fi books um, in terms of, like, readability and, like, excitement. Like, it's a thriller. It it's feels exciting. really exciting it's totally to read. totally exciting. Yeah. Oh, we have a guest on the show today, Lizzie, which is not to be confused with Izzy, which is my name. So we're going to have to really enunciate the L today. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's very important. I'm really excited to be on the show. I practically begged Izzy to let me on here. Um, I've also known Izzy since she was a baby, so it's really exciting Aww. to see her grow up like this, um, even though we're the same age. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. Um, have you read uh, Jurassic Park or have you seen Jurassic Park? So I've never seen Jurassic Park. I have seen Jurassic World, though, because oh. my close relative, Chris Pratt, who we just share a family name, um, but <laughs> I like to believe that he's my cousin. You know, I think that the good looking genetics run in the family. OK, but uh, I have seen Jurassic World, but not Jurassic Park. The same thing. Basically. Same premise. <laughs> This could actually be the first sponsored episode because the new the new Jurassic Park movie is coming out like this week or something. God, what do I do to be sponsored to do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, That's cool. Jurassic World Dominion in theaters today. Go see it. That's uh, our sponsorship. Uh, <laughs> we got sponsored. <laughs> do you like the Chris Pratt versions? Uh, have you guys watched those? What? Jurassic Park. There's two novels. They're both by Michael Crichton. And then there's three movies that came out in the 90s and like early 2000s, um, who, which are really, really good. And now there's three more movies. There's another Ridley trilogy. The yeah, the, yeah. With, um, with Chris Pratt, who's the, he's the lead guy in them. 
and they have bigger dinosaurs and bigger dinosaurs, bigger special effects, <laughs> yeah. bigger budget. <laughs> They, they were like humans never learn yeah yeah seriously <laughs> they still keep making new jurassic parks how can they make that six jurassic parks them. like how have they messed up this many times seriously they were like we couldn't handle a t-rex so we made a mega a t-rex <laughs> I, that, that, that was my complaint with the star wars series too even the original trilogy which i know people love on the third movie they already started reusing content from the first one. Like, yeah. they were like, we made a Death Star, but bigger! <laughs> you know? They did. They made the Death Star again. <laughs> like, you can't even come up with a new world, like a new fictional... Like, <laughs> Another name for the big death gun? Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Mega Death Star. Was it, like, I think it literally is called the Death Star 2 or something. You can't get much bigger than a Death Star, though. I mean, a star is pretty, pretty big. A death black hole. Oh, death black hole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, today I, I'm like, like since this episode started, I've been like Monday, Monday, Monday. I don't know. And you, you want to be a radio announcer? I you do. Really all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love, I love, love, love Jurassic Park. So I Jurassic Park, the first one comes out in 1996. I am five years old. My father had just gotten a surround sound system and he decided to test it out with Jurassic Park and it no way <laughs> I remember it extremely vividly I was pretending to sell rocks in the kitchen I had a little rock booth set up and they were messing with the new surround sound system and it wasn't working and they were like well why isn't it working and they had turned the volume way up because it wasn't working and then they like hit the right button and the T-Rex screamed while the surround sound no came on way. for the very first time. And I was so <sighs> scared. <laughs> oh my God. That's a core memory for It you. was terrifying. Oh man, I love it so much. So I'm really excited about this because the book is, like you said, excellent. Yeah, how far have you gotten? <laughs> I think I got a hundred pages in last night. Oh, okay. I was so impressed though. It's like the Martian by Andy yeah. Weir, where it, he gets really into the science. Like, yeah. he's first and foremost, he's a scientist writing. And it, it's more like his idea, like, okay, as a scientist, how would he make this theme park? And he just right, goes on and on and on. Like, how what would he do if he were trying to make a theme park like this? And he's really knowledgeable. Like, he really... Yeah, seriously. It's the same thing with The Martian, where he's like, all the science is right, we just don't have the science yet. You know what I mean? Like, it is. this is how you would go about doing it. We just exactly. don't have, like, the space travel gear ready to go to space or to make this genetic world honestly some of my some of my favorite novels in science fiction were written in this era so it was written in 1990 um i i love like late 80s early 90s science fiction i think that that era of science fiction there was like a really high standard that they were held to to actually explain a little bit of the science at least. And, and Michael Crichton goes kind of above and beyond with it. Um, for sure. For it's sure. really, it's really well thought out. Okay. I haven't, I haven't seen these. Let's go for it. Should, who wants to read the first one? I think Lizzie should read it. Okay. So the title is the Raptors have stolen the fairy exclamation point. <laughs> Muldoon whirled. He saw, moving in the branches, the large heads and flexible jaws of the Tyrannosaur and the Velociraptor. And then he saw the green head and the long, thin neck 
of the leather bag high above him. Jesus, Muldoon said. The Tyrannosaur roared and lunged at him, and Muldoon dived to the ground, rolling. And as he rolled, he saw the animal leap from the top of the wall and swing in the air, and then it crashed through the wooden fence and fell on top of Muldoon. Muldoon punched the heads with his hands, but the jaws were locked on the air bladders of his rubber work boots. Hmm. Muldoon dug the toes of his boots into the flesh of the animal's jaw, and the jaws opened and snapped shut, and then again and again. The Tyrannosaur roared in anger and frustration. Muldoon pushed off, rolled again, and felt the hot breath of the animal on his back. And then he was free, and he scrambled to his feet and saw the animal was still on the ground. But the work boots were gone. The Tyrannosaur had torn off the rubber boots and was now barefoot. Ah. The animal roared and charged. Muldoon ran. Jesus, he said again. The man in the black leather jacket stood on the beach, staring out to the sea. The sun was shining brilliantly, but he still wore a heavy black raincoat. His face was shadowed. He still hadn't moved. Grant was looking at the man when he heard the high-pitched whistle of a speeding bullet and saw the man jerk and then fall over, his body spasming, as if he were being electrocuted. Grant ran to the beach and saw the body lying face down in the sand. He was wearing a black leather jacket. The man was twitching, but he wasn't moving. Grant knelt and looked at him. The man was unconscious but breathing. He had a nasty burn on the back of his neck. So this was the, the first thing I put in there. And oh like, my gosh. And, it, and it was flagged for um, violence or yeah, whatever. Yeah, because it's about ripping yeah. people's yeah. You know, <laughs> faces off or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So it's so funny because I haven't gotten to the part where everything goes wrong in the book. So now I'm like, well, this is what I have to look forward to. <laughs> There's still world building over there. I know. <laughs> um, you've seen the movies though, right? You know. Yeah, I know it. Ends bad. What, I know. know it, yeah, <laughs> I know. You're, you're reading Jurassic Park and you're like, oh, what a lovely story of a. Yeah, it, it doesn't end well for the humans. <laughs> That's what I'm kind of hoping it does end. I'm at the point of the book where I'm like, I'm hoping that it all works out for them, you know? It, it, but he's not actually killed by a dinosaur. <laughs> I thought that he was when I first read through it. But he's, he's injured. Killed, he's injured. He's killed by a bullet. Uh, the, oh. the man in black, uh, he was looking at the man in black when he heard a high-pitched whistle of a speeding bullet and saw the man jerk fall over as if he were being electrocuted. Um yeah, I didn't catch that. So he was murdered just by a random bullet. And it doesn't explain <laughs> who shot it. So this AI is the lower level AI. We used like a medium level or the lowest level. Yeah, so OpenAI is the company that makes this AI that we're using. And they have a couple different levels of AIs with different levels of smartness. So the they have four, and it basically has to do with the amount of uh, parameters, they call it. Or it's like the number of artificial neurons in the neural net. Um, and also the amount of text I think that it's trained on or something. I don't know. I don't know their program. But anyway, um, so we use the next to smartest one. So not the mm, not the okay. smartest one, but the one that's pretty good. And I, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. Definitely is a scene. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm curious where that bullet came from, but I guess we'll never know. Well, um, in the movies, there's tons of random bullets coming around everywhere. That's true. Because there's that's all true. these this whole army that's like hunting them down. <laughs> Yeah, especially once things break bad, as it were. Um, the uh, Okay, so then for the next one, I gave it Grant brushed the Triceratops hair. 
All right, I'll take this one. Okay. Grant brushed the Triceratops' hair. It's okay, Grant said. You're back at the nest now and everything's fine. But I don't feel safe, the Triceratops said. <laughs> okay, I can speak. I feel very vulnerable here. You're safe, Grant said. All we have to do is turn off the power and we can go back to our normal lives. The Triceratops sighed and then sighed again. I guess you're right. I know I'm right, Grant said. He turned to the video monitor. The storm had passed and the roads were clear. It was time to go. Grant got up and went to the door. Then he turned back to the Triceratops. Remember, we can always go back to our normal lives. Okay, Grant. Grant opened the door and stepped out into the rain. Don't leave me, Grant, the Triceratops said. Grant ran back to his sister and pulled her out of the hydraulic chair. She was unconscious, and he carried her through the maintenance room and into the freezer, which was now flooded with coolant. He laid her gently on the floor. On the floor with the coolant? (laughs) Into the coolant. (laughs) Whoa, these are so good. It's really good. This is really good. Holy I really moly. like that the Triceratop talks. It's very specific. Um, like it has all kinds of like world building and detail. It's definitely like in the environment of uh, of the Jurassic Park. It's it's very cool. If you ignore the fact that Triceratops don't talk, it's great. It's perfect. <laughs> I think that's the best part. That's the best part. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> the best part. It's so cute. <laughs> You know, you're finally getting what the dinosaurs are feeling. (laughs) Oh, they're feeling vulnerable. Yeah. Don't leave me, Grant. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The Tyrannosaurus took a large bite of cheeseburger. Oh, great prompt. (laughs) Another large sip of milk. And then a bite of lettuce from the side of the container. He looked thoughtful. He had eaten the cardboard box of supplies, but he left the rest. He seemed to be taking his time. I hope he doesn't leave, Lex said. I hope so too, Ed Regis said. Otherwise we'll be in trouble. But the Tyrannosaur began to walk away from them in the opposite direction from the nearest hill. For the first time, they noticed how tall he was. In the light of the nearest lamppost, they saw that he towered over the Buick, over eight feet. He walked with a slow, deliberate gait, his massive tail swinging behind him in the air, the tip trailing in the mud. He moved with the self-assured deliberation of a man walking through a shopping mall. From time to time, he blinked and ducked his head (laughs) to get a better view, as if he were looking around. In a way, he was, and they should have known. The behavior of an animal was encoded in its brain. It was impossible to understand an animal or predict what it would do without understanding the behavior of the animal's brain. He's using his eyes a lot, Ed Regis said. He must be cautious, Muldoon said. See where he's going. Now the Tyrannosaur walked between them and the trees. They heard a twig snap behind him. He glanced back. I wonder what he sees, Tim said. You're in the car. You don't know, Ed Regis said. The Tyrannosaurus stopped. He stood on his hind legs, bending both of his massive forearms. The movement made him look like an elephant, and they all laughed. He lowered his forearms again. He's probably ducking those big heads, Henry Wu said over the radio. He should be able to see pretty well, Ed Regis said. He's moving through the park at night. He should be able to see fine. If he can see fine, Muldoon said, how come he's wearing sunglasses? (laughs) (laughs) It's not unusual for big predatory animals to be sensitive to brightness at night, Wu said. (laughs) They can see... (laughs) They can see better in the dark, and the sunglasses protect them from the glare of the moon. Well, Ed Regis said, he doesn't need sunglasses now. 
The Tyrannosaur was standing perfectly still. Maybe he's sleeping, Edry just said. Maybe he's just standing there to keep off the mud. The Tyrannosaur wasn't standing in mud. He wasn't bending his forearms. He hadn't moved at all for 10 minutes. Wu said, maybe it's a pose he learned for us. Muldoon took out his shiny binoculars and looked more closely at the animal. He saw that the animal's skin was shiny with a faint pattern of dark spots. The spots looked like damp paint. What the hell is it, Regis said. He's wearing waterproof paint. <laughs> Christ, Muldoon said. Muldoon continued to look intently at the animal, paying attention to details. But slowly, he began to identify details of the animal. The body markings, the stance, the movements, the large head, and the long jaws that closed with a snap. This was no statue. This was an animal that moved, that breathed, that seemed to see. <laughs> This is not a prehistoric animal frozen in stone. This is a living animal that moved around in modern times. A live animal in a modern zoo. <laughs> so I guess it's dead? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why did it stop moving, but it stopped moving. I think it's pretending to be a statue. <laughs> I don't know what this... It, this one, it really doesn't make any sense, but it had some good jokes in it. Yeah, I really like how uh, the dinosaur really needs to wear the sunglasses at night for the uh, glare from the moon. Not during the day, of course. But for the glare of the moon. (laughs) And he's wearing waterproof paint. (laughs) I I think that this Tyrannosaurus Rex was trying to go to a music festival. And he had, <laughs> a rave. Yeah, that makes a so rave. much sense. <laughs> he had painted his body, and then you know he can only see things when people move. That's not established in this. In this, they weren't sure if he could see at all. <laughs> but in the books, it's established that Tyrannosaur can only see, or in the movies at least, he they can only see if you're moving. So then he's standing still, maybe because he thinks that they can't see him if he stands still. Yeah. <laughs> It was reminds me of Kelsey. It reminds me of the uh, the the one in the Breaking Bad episode with the um, the car salesman. How like everything is right except for one detail, where like yeah. the salesman was selling the condo and the car. But it's like it almost like it it it, it almost is not too worried about those little details, like whether or not it's wearing sunglasses. It's like it's <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like okay, they talk about Tyrannosaurus. T- Rex vision a lot in the book presumably they t- they're like always yeah, trying yeah, yeah, to hide yeah, yeah. from it so in this they're talking about whether it can see and whether it can see them and then it's like but it's wearing sunglasses like it's just like, <laughs> it's just like making this random jump to something else to do with eyes and I think the same thing kind of with the paints like they're maybe always looking at like animals markings or like the dinosaur markings and then it's just like maybe those markings are paints because it's a random AI <laughs> So did you turn the temperature up for this? I think maybe this one, the temperature was higher than the standard. I can't quite remember, but I, I did turn it up for a couple. For our listeners, the um, there's a you can turn up the temperature on these gener- generation kind of creative prompts, which means it's going to take more risks. It's going to stray farther from the training data. And I kind of feel like maybe we shouldn't laugh if it's it's taking risks. It's putting itself out there. Yeah. You know? like Imagine the last time you took a risk. And we laugh at you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, we shouldn't be rude to the AI. The AI is taking risks, taking names. <laughs> it tried the sunglass thing. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty funny. Trial and error. <laughs> yeah. All right. Who's reading this one? Is it me? 
No, it's Lizzie. Okay, beautiful. The dinosaur eggs make excellent omelets, Ellie said. I have an egg-breaking stone, she said, looking at him with a smile. I don't think so, Grant said. I'm impressed by early man who used such primitive means. But you're making an omelet, she said, so it doesn't matter what your normal means are. I'll bet Chatham Islanders ate a lot of omelets in the past, Grant said. Kip looked up at him. I didn't know dinosaurs ate. They're herbivores, Grant said. They eat only plants. The mass of eggs within the incubator was almost a foot deep. Let's get the lid on, Grant said. They put the lid on and then lifted the incubator onto the trolley. I can drive now, Ellie said, climbing in beside him. If you want. You don't have to. It's fine. Grant put the car in gear. She turned to him. You know, if you don't want me to drive, I want you to. I'd rather not. She was frowning. It's fine, Grant said. I actually feel kind of clumsy behind the wheel anyway. I'll say, Ellie said. Grant had heard that women drivers were worse than men. (laughs) 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 But he had never known anything to the contrary. And whenever he went out with a woman, he found that he had to cultivate a feeling of confidence to convince her that she could drive just as well as he did. (laughs) And one thing he might have pointed out to her was that, in his experience, the major problem with women drivers was that, in a hurry, they were notorious for driving too fast. Grant was always alert for women in the fast lane who would suddenly break on and then increase her speed when it was obvious that she shouldn't. That's good. I really <laughs> like that one. Um, Where did so they pick up that? This is an example of, yeah, of the AI being casually sexist. Casual sexism. <laughs> it's really strange. <laughs> I really like this. There song. was no reason for her to say that women <laughs> drivers are worse than men. Five lines about women drivers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's like this weird little. It's this weird little like I'm not sexist, but I always have but. to encourage. <laughs> I always have to encourage my girlfriends that they're good at driving. Actually, they're as good as me. I don't. I, like, I don't know. Hey, um, hey, have you guys ever noticed that um, women are not as good as men at driving? <laughs> Have you guys, I don't know. <laughs> is that something you've experienced? I've, I've noticed that the problem with them is that they drive too fast when they're in a hurry. I just, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, me, you know, I've noticed the same thing, actually. <laughs> Those women drivers in the fast lane. <laughs> Did it learn that from Reddit? Yeah, yeah Reddit. Definitely. It's Reddit. <laughs> yeah, seems about right. For this final one, I gave it the prompt. The blood was dripping off the bathroom mirror. And I just really tried to edge it into something uh, disturbing. The blood was dripping off the bathroom mirror. The redness became more pronounced. It snaked down the glass and dripped off the edge. The stream fell to the floor, red drop after red drop. Malcolm felt he was going to faint, but he kept his head steady. He waited, listening to the beating of his heart. He waited and waited. Then he finally heard a click, a sharp metallic sound, like a switch being turned. He turned to see the glass over the sink areas misted with a milky white substance, a fog. Malcolm was turning toward the sink when the mist obscured his view of the mirror behind the fog, and when it cleared he saw the reflection of a man on the other side. Malcolm stared at the shoulder and the head, then glanced back over his shoulder toward the mirror. 
He looked back to the sink. The fog was suddenly thicker now. Malcolm looked back to the mirror again. He saw the man's face there behind the glass. But it was fading, changing. It was coming back to gray. Malcolm heard the sound of dripping blood and the man's voice. Help us, the man said. And now it was just a moaning whisper. Help. Malcolm turned. He was suddenly surrounded by mist. He didn't know where it came from. He didn't know where he was. There was just mist all around him. Malcolm felt a twinge of panic. He heard the man's voice again. Help. The mist was becoming denser now. He pressed his back to the mirror. He crouched down, feeling the thick fog. He didn't want the man to see him. He was going to hide. To hide. Help us, the voice said. The voice faded away. Malcolm was staring at the mirror when he saw the mist thickening and changing, forming feet, a leg, a torso. The man's head moving in a jerky, spastic way, as if it could not control its movements, or if it did not know how it was moving. But he saw the forehead move, the forehead narrowing and expanding, the cheeks bulging. And then there was a sudden sharp crack and the head fell off, bounced with the hollow metallic echo on the floor, and the body jerked, spasming, and the legs twitched, waving limply in the air. Malcolm stared, horrified, horrified and fascinated. Because now he knew. He knew why the man had said, help us. Now he understood. The man called for help because he was now trapped, trapped in the bathroom. The headless body was trapped in the bathroom. He was locked in and dying. It was happening so quickly. Malcolm stared at the animal movement of the body as it twitched and jerked, dying, dying. Now he understood. He was trapped too. <laughs> that is like the best thing I've seen come out of this AI. I know I say that every episode. No, but no, I'm like, no. This one is really oh, good. This one is really scary. good. <laughs> that really had me hooked. Do you think the man in the mirror was a ghost? <laughs> is this a ghost story? There was a there was definitely a mystical element to it in a way that there isn't in the book. But it was a, an original scene for sure. Like there wasn't, there isn't any kind of mystical voice. Like in here, there was a mist that was changing and forming, forming feet, a leg, a torso. Yeah. You know? It like, it, it doesn't so really creepy. mention dinosaurs at all in it, does it? No. Just blood and animal like twitching. It, it, it read in the style of Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just like a little mini horror scene in this, in, in the voice of Michael Crichton, kind of. You're totally in the voice, yeah. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I love this one. I want to like animate it or like make a uh, a visual aspect of it. As I was reading it, I was like, I could hear the music that I'm. I'm gonna oh, write I'm for. so I'm gonna, excited! I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, put some love into this one. Oh, nice, nice! Oh my gosh, this was so fun. We are the AI generated podcast. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> and it's a show can- name. <laughs> you can follow us at ai generated pod on all relevant platforms we aren't on facebook no facebook no facebook (laughs) our email is the instagram though so i guess maybe we shouldn't we shouldn't celebrate too much all right (laughs) only facebook sister program instagram Kelsey and I did the data collection for today's episode, and I did the processing and model training. Kelsey made the prompts this time, though. I also produced the show and wrote the music. Ellie Baker and I designed the thumbnail. Thank you to Lizzie Goldstein for 
reading for us today and for being our guest host. I enjoyed it very much. Hooray. Um, do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want people to check out? Um, Are you starting no. at Jurassic Park? I don't really have anything going on in my life. I'm really just a intern by day and Netflix enthusiast by night. So oh, that's good. What, what are you watching on, on Netflix? Yeah, what's your sh- what, are you, what are your shows? Any recommendations? Um, I've been watching Are You the One and a lot of other trashy reality TV. Um, <laughs> I've been thoroughly enjoying it. Nice. nice. What's Are You the One about? Is it like a dating show? Oh my gosh, yes. It's it's a really good dating show. They have to figure out who is their perfect match. So I guess I'll plug uh, Netflix's Are You The One. <laughs> um, it's pretty, pretty entertaining. They don't have season eight. I've been told to watch season eight because they're all bisexual, so they have no idea who their perfect oh. match might be. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that one. This is a, I would say that this is a uh, bisexual technology show, would be the way I'd put it. <laughs> <laughs> Feels pretty accurate. <laughs> That's our description on <laughs> on, <laughs> on, on iTunes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, finish it up. Um, thank you to Michael Crichton for writing Jurassic Park. We love it. This show was unwillingly solicited by our corporate overlords at Dover Demon Incorporated.